Hello everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on this brand new podcast, The Breakdown. In around 10 days time, India will begin the largest democratic activity in the world when 900 million odd voters including 150 million eligible first time voters will elect the leaders for the next few years. How crazy is that? I see voting as a responsibility and as a way of engaging politically with the process. But oftentimes the discourse really fails us in the way that it doesn't really give us a well-rounded view of the election as the one we face in a few weeks. This problem arises from two sources chiefly. First, our politicians are not very sincere in communicating issues to us, and second, Uh, our media is complicit in this problem since primetime news channels let's face it are a site of bickering politicians rather than solution based discussions india is the largest youth population in the world and soon millions of these people will be voting for the first time and for them to make that decision and let's make no two ways about it this is a very important decision for the future of a country they should be equipped with the knowledge of a democratic setup and system as well as the most important issues that we face as a country and hence was born the breakdown where i abhishek rakeja will take an issue each week and i will sit down with experts and common people on the ground and young people and together we will quite literally break these issues down and talk about some of the possible solutions around them My objective with this podcast is twofold. First, I would like to give you the listener the goalpost and means to understand the issues in our country with some depth. And second, I want to ensure that you the listener cut through the noise which we are trying to do through this podcast and make an informed choice on the ballot box. We'll start this by talking about the general state of Indian democracy. This week I'll be joined by Meghnath S who is a political commentator and much more we'll get to that. First I'll talk a little bit about India's parliamentary setup and we'll come to Indian institutions and how they are. For now we'll talk a bit about the Lok Sabha which we are voting for in a few weeks time. Oftentimes this election is framed as an election for the prime minister. Some people would say Modi versus Rahul Gandhi versus some other third regional person. some including mr modi's fans would say you know it's modi versus no one or modi versus who i believe that is a very flawed way of looking at the selection primarily because that is exactly what the election is not about when i tell you this election is not about the prime minister it means that this election is actually 540 or smaller elections when i a resident of bhopal shout out to the greatest city in india vote i'm voting for my respective member of parliament and so is the case for each one of you voters out there you're voting for your respective member of parliament the purpose of this is so our lok sabha is a representation of people around the country in different beliefs and different views on various problems and then to come to the dilemma of who will be the prime minister the prime minister is a figure who's chosen by the representatives who are the lok sabha and if one party secures a majority say it's the bjp who gets 270 member of parliaments they will then choose in all certainty prime minister narendra modi to lead the country forward if the congress gets that majority along with maybe two or three or four different political parties and together they must up 272 you know they could choose either rahul gandhi or some other person to lead the government and be prime minister so first of all and, and you know me and meghnath will go into this think about the selection as the election of your member of parliament and not as the election of your prime minister and don't be fooled by people who make you think otherwise the other thing where you really have to stress and think critically is the idea of india that you see central to your understanding of what india is it's a philosophical question of what it means to be indian is it one thing or is it various things 
The answer is sort of in the question. You know, India is an extremely diverse country. And, you know, I, I mean no cliches in this. It has very strong identities, regional uh, identities from languages, so many different languages, uh, so many different religions, perhaps all major religions of the world, really, coexist in India. But we've seen this coexistence in secular fabric questioned in the last few years from this firebrand rise of Hindu nationalism. Now, I wouldn't personally call it dangerous because that would be judgmental, but it has definitely questioned the potential of these coexisting identities within India. We need to be asking some important questions at this point. How do we see dissent and disagreement in this country? Do we view that as dangerous to our country? And should we term people who dissent and disagree as anti-national? Or do we see that as constructive for our country? In its 2019 report, the Human Rights Watch said that the government led by the BJP had harassed and at times prosecuted activist lawyers, human rights defenders, and journalists for criticizing authorities. Now, the way I see it, and, and this is a personal opinion, is that dissent and disagreement in some ways forms the very core of what our democracy really is. And I'll go into the second part of this podcast where I sit down with Meghnath and we talk about Indian democracy, our institutions, our ideas for India, etc. But before that, I'd like to read out from the preamble to the constitution. It reads so, We, the people of India, having solemnly resolved to constitute India into a sovereign, socialist, secular, democratic republic, and to secure to all its citizens justice, social, economic, and political, liberty of thought, expression, belief, faith, and worship, equality of status and of opportunity, and to promote among them all fraternity, assuring the dignity of the individual, the unity and integration of the nation. That is a very inclusive definition of what India is. And the ideas of dissent and criticism is really embedded in the constitution itself. And so they're part of the larger fabric of India. We will talk about these ideas in this next section with Meghdad. But first, let me thank you for listening to The Breakdown. And I hope this podcast is of benefit over the next few weeks. Hello, everyone. Joining me now is Meghnath S. Meghnath, thank you so much for joining me. And tell all our listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, hello, everyone. I am Meghnath. I am a public policy professional. I am a columnist and a commentator on uh, everything to do with parliament. I'm also right now associate editor with News Laundry. And I have my own YouTube show, so I'm a YouTube creator as well. And I do other random things like writing scripts for other shows and uh, helping people do write scripts and do research and produce shows. Brilliant. Uh, he's also, he would not admit this, but he's also absolutely hilarious on Twitter. So if you guys want some brilliant tweets about Indian democracy, you can always go follow Meghnath on Twitter. All right. So Meghnath, I've already introduced this show in, in sort of before we've been having this conversation. Um, you know, we'll basically be laying the groundwork for the rest of this podcast. And I'd like to kind of do an audit of Indian democracy as it stood for the last few years, but also before mm. that in its history, but then also talk about how the youth can better engage with Indian democracy. So let's really start off here. So before we talk about the last few years, let's talk about how Indian democracy has been since its inception. A lot of people mm. will argue India has been a relatively stable democracy, given that we are in sort of a disjointed region, given there's, mm. you know, Pakistan, you know, we've had a bloody civil war in Sri Lanka, uh, you know, Nepal has had its own share of uh, upheaval. Uh, so India has been a relatively stable project for democracy in South Asia. How do you view mm. the successes and failures of Indian democracy before 2014? Let's just say that. Um, okay, so like... I think, you know, we have to also understand as young people that we are also a young democracy, right? And right. when I say young, I don't mean the cliche, you know, oh, we are a, you know, young democracy. So therefore, you know, everything should be 
like you know we should be like exuberant and energetic yeah. sort of a thing right not that way i'm not talking about demographics i'm just okay. talking just in the sense of how uh, other democracies in the world are like 200 plus years old and we are like at 70 right now correct and what how i view it and it's a very simple thing which has worked for me is that every 10 years of a democracy is one human year right <laughs> so essentially right now we are a 7 year old child yeah, right yeah. so we are just gaining awareness of our place in the universe right now yeah. what our abilities are how and also like uh, you know how what we do in the world actually affects real change right so like there is this point in a human life where you know you start start getting aware of yourself and then yeah. after a point you realize hey things i do actually make things happen yeah right? it's true yeah so we are at that stage right now in our democracy right yeah and the second thing i would say is that our our country is extremely chaotic right it has always been chaotic when we got independence uh, the everyone around the world was like ye nahi hone wala you know like chalne nahi wala ye tumhara desh jo bhi this can't be a country yeah, because yeah. there are so many kinds of people so yeah. many kinds of languages how will you even talk to each other right that was the that yeah. was the first question yeah and then let alone have like a consensus on a constitution and a democracy yeah. or whatever yeah. but uh, you know 300 people got up one day and they were like ha hum country banayenge you know like come what me we are just going to do it so they sat down they hunkered down they you know debated and discussed and made our constitution and if you see it, the our constitution it's the most detailed constitution in the world right. and there's a reason for that because we are the most <coughs> complex chaotic society in the world right yeah and uh, i think people tend to forget that a lot like nowadays especially where uh, you know we our history uh, whatever little history we have in the last 70 years has been very colorful right there yeah. has been conflict but that conflict has also led to a lot of good things yeah. right uh, so i always view it as uh, you know i still think that we are an experiment as a country right. i still think that you know this experiment is ongoing and so far we've managed to make it work so so you you view indian democracy relatively as a success over well let's say let's say you know everything that's happened so far you know i i want to talk briefly about institutions make not because mm-hmm. this is one something with uh, one um, specific place where um, you know we've been a contrast to pakistan because our institutions right. generally have been stable and it's you know it's something that uh, public policy intellectual boast about uh, because we've always mm-hmm. well we've tended to have free and fair elections apart from you know some of the things that we can discuss in terms of you know the sort of machinery you need to run for elections in this country how do you view the success of indian institutions you know over the last few years um so okay so like uh, i i would say that uh, we have um, again like i i will take it from my last point uh, yeah. forward which is that we are an experimental sort of country right? yeah um you know it, it's like for instance like when we got independence right um uh, nobody had an idea what to do really yeah. like you know like basically one day we are slaves next day we are a democracy <laughs> yeah. like literally it was like ha ah, you have freedom now but yeah. people were like uh what does that even mean yeah. like you know and that was literally the state we were in right yeah. um so the people who took it forward uh people who took our country forward and set up you know an administration apart from of course our uh, you know constituent assembly and etc there are also the bureaucrats right right and again like the bureaucrats were trained by colonial rulers yeah. they have a certain mindset they had a certain mindset and they have a certain mindset which continues till date yeah. we took a few laws which the british had set up and yeah. continued them like indian penal code sedition etc all of that right um then we basically just copied a bunch of things from other democracies and there was like a mishmash in the constitution right we just took like the best parts that might work for us might not work for us nobody yeah. knew but uh, the in the f- uh, initial years i would say till the 70s uh, it was always the bureaucrats calling the shot because they were simply the people who knew what to do right simply put yeah, yeah. and they were the guys who were english educated 
so they were the ones who were like obviously like the link language or however you Correct, want to call yeah. it right um <coughs> then then um you know of course our favorite uh, second favorite prime minister came which is indira gandhi uh, so who's and, a, who's a favorite prime minister <laughs> um, Narendra Modi, of course. All what right, are you even right. saying? Dude? What are you even saying? <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm testing your loyalties, Meghna. <laughs> <laughs> I, you thought I would say Nehru, right? <laughs> yeah, you're one of them. Okay, yeah. all right. One of them. <laughs> so <clears throat> when uh, Indira Gandhi came, she sort of, you know, gave us a shock, our democracy, right. a shock, yeah. where the judiciary had to get up and say, you know. You can't do that. <laughs> like yeah. you can't, you can't just yeah. impose an emergency and expect Excuse us to yeah. expect everyone to just follow it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. And and during that time, if you ah uh, talk to your parents, uh, were your parents in India when yeah. when that happened? Yeah. So if you talk to them, they have this one cliche line which I don't know where it came from. It's like you know that was the emergency, but trains were running on time. Yeah. I, I, think, <laughs> that, that, I think that's used also in the context of thirties, forties Germany. So. Um, yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. Because uh, in a weird sense, they long for a dictatorship because they're like, "Ah, वैसे भी you know so many people, maybe one person will try to correct it." Yeah, like that is what we did. And during that time, the uh, judiciary came up. The judiciary was one which which took up an activisty role. Yeah. Right. So there was a transformation from bureaucracy to judiciary. Right. Yeah. Uh, where earlier the executive was calling the shot now the judiciary was somewhat keeping a check on the executive and the legislature as well yeah. right uh, then i would say the next transformative movement happened uh, during rajiv gandhi's time but yeah. more so in 2014 right, right. Uh, the two successive majority governments that we got yeah. uh, rajiv gandhi did one thing he introduced the anti defection law right which yeah. was basically uh, turn our country into just a party democracy so uh, make party that, make that can i stop you there can you just explain to yeah. our listeners what the anti defection law is quickly yeah okay so uh, the anti defection law basically says that a when you are elected from a certain party you can't skip parties you can't change parties uh, right. but the second part of it says that you can't also vote against the whip that is the part that the party issues Yeah. So, for instance, you have to be like the whip says you have to vote like yes on a certain bill, and you personally, as an MP, are saying no, want to say no. You can't do that because if you do, then you'll get kicked out of parliament. So, so just quickly, right? you know, just to be a geek here. So, contrasting yeah. it from the United Kingdom, you know, you have mm-hmm. these backbenchers who don't vote for the party whip. You don't have yeah. that concept yeah. in in India. No, and uh, no other country has a law like this, right? Which okay. is basically. the party whip what essentially it ends up happening is uh, you know currently eight people rule our country by simple maths right you know like yeah. 83.83.5% of our parliament yeah. is answering to eight people of different party leaders right yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that is that is so messed up in your head when you think about it it doesn't it just makes our democracy a little theoretical right yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it 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 just turns it into that so uh, that is what rajiv gandhi did and then came along our uh, good sir narendra modi who got right. us a majority yes. and now what is happening is that because of uh, our anti defection sort of you know setup yeah uh, people have sort of started believing that one person to rule them all is like a legitimate thing right right like yesterday i was seeing a speech where the prime minister went ahead and said you are not voting for your mp this election you are voting for new india right right what does that essentially mean you are voting for me as a person which is essentially not what is happening because right. you don't directly elect your prime minister but right. everybody wants you to believe you do right right and that is that is i think another transformative movement move, moment happening right here where now we are in a state where the legislature is taking over the judiciary right yes yeah so uh, so these three pillars which have been constantly at war with each other throughout the ages um also like lead to certain institutions gaining favor or losing favor right right so parliament as an institution should have gained favor but instead what we see is the prime minister's office as an institution is gaining favor right now. yeah right 
That sounds like a pro- problematic statement for me because, you know, when you look at India, it's a parliamentary democracy. So you're basically electing your sort of lawmakers when you go and vote in the Lok Sabha. And the election of the prime so, minister is a much later constraint, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so uh, for, from what I read, actually, uh, he didn't say that elect the prime minister. Right. He said vote for the country. Right? <laughs> okay. <yeah. laughs> Don't vote means, for the yeah. MP, vote for the country. Yeah. Right. Which is... <laughs> which is a weird statement to make according to me right yeah yeah <coughs> i mean every mp is not your country yeah. every prime minister is not your country right I mean, but That's essentially true. what he was saying was you should vote for that one idea of one nation one you know language one whatever whatever yeah right yeah, yeah. um uh, so uh, so yeah I, i'm sorry i forgot your question because i want to no i i mean i was just like at this <laughs> yeah. point that you know it's yeah. a, it just sounds sort of counterproductive to the system we have you know a statement you know that's kind of all let's let's speak about this election you know dr yogendra yadav said at the india today conclave that if the 1977 election um was about whether india will remain democratic or not the selection will be about whether india will remain india or not how do you view mm. this election why are so many people like dr kendra yadav uh, you know framing it in such consequentialist terms um okay so um part of it i would say is uh, i wouldn't say it's overblown right i yeah. wouldn't really say that it's not that serious i wouldn't yeah. dismiss it at, as easily right because when people uh, some sensible people make these statements yeah. um uh, they have put some thought into it right, right. like yeah. whenever yeah. i say something i put thought into it yeah. so i would like to give the same credit to other people as well right yeah. right um, and and it it you know the thing is that when you are saying uh, we are fighting for the idea of india i think the best basic message that is going out is that you know we are a diverse country we have yeah. certain uh, like many many pockets where many many people reside who have their own culture who have their own values who have their own sensibilities who have their own you know language whatever dress yeah. everything yeah. right um I think that is the idea of India: unity and diversity. Correct. We are a diverse country, but we are still united because right. we kind of want to live together. I mean, simply right. putting it. Um, and I think that idea, sort of, in the last uh, four and a half years, yeah. is kind of being challenged. I wouldn't say they are destroying it, but they are challenging it definitely. Yeah. Right? Where it's just sort of becoming this situation where. Uh, every the majority is starting to believe that you know if if we have to progress as a country yeah. we have to have one ideology one yeah. belief one sort of direction right mm-hmm. and as a country we never really had one direction because we can't have one direction because yeah. we are people are so that they are all moving in different directions right yeah um and i think what is driving that is this race for development or race to become like a developed country because yeah. right yeah because yeah. because what what it essentially means is and i i will go a little uh, traditionalist here a bit no where problem. you know a lot of people uh, keep saying that we should not go by western values you know we, mm-hmm. like like we should good stick to traditional values we should right. uh if we should worship our culture we should like embrace our own culture why are we going the western way right. right but the same people who are saying that are also in this bl- bloody rat race which has also been set by the western countries right, right. it is a rat race like this oh what is the development in the terms of gdp per capita or whatever bullshit <laughs> right i mean what the hell does that even mean what does that mean to me as a person nobody gives a shit right yeah, because it yeah, good looks yeah. good on paper it it's makes true. us look good as a country and uh, it just makes you like oh my god i can boast about my country now yeah, on whatsapp true. and that that is essentially what it boils down to yeah. um because in real terms you have no idea what that means nobody right. does i i doubt if economists do 
right? What does growth even mean? Like, right. oh, manufacturing is growing. Yeah. Big whoop, man. Take F five, whatever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> am I getting jobs? Nope. But manufacturing is growing. Yeah, Great. Yeah. Billionaires are getting more richer. Great. Like I'll send it on WhatsApp now. That is yeah. essentially what is happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. and these terms have been all set uh, by developed countries. Currently, developed lot, right? Right. Now, my whole thing is, if you are so, you know, so insistent on sticking to traditions, if you are so insistent on sticking to our own culture, right? I absolutely agree with that. I absolutely agree that our culture of diversity, our culture of unity in diversity, yeah. should be maintained, right. right? And also our basic identities. I'm a Marathi. Yeah. I like being a Marathi. Yeah. Let me be a Marathi, right? right? Yeah. If I'm a religious person, let me be of that religion. Let me be a Hindu, yeah, yeah. right? But at the same time, I should not interfere in either culture or religion of someone else, right? Right? That is the idea of India. Now, yeah. if you are sticking to that, if you are, if you want to promote that, just translate it into modern terms, modern day terms, yes. right? In, on our own terms, not yes. on a Western scale of. You know, sort of, uh, you know, being a developed country or whatever, you know, economists want to hear or World Bank wants to hear or whatever. We right. can develop on our own. We can have original ideas too. We have had original ideas seventy years ago, yes. right? But sort of, I guess. But we did, and um, I think you know, it's about time we actually relook within ourselves as a country and just see. Um, what we believe in collectively right, right right and i don't mean that we should change what we believe in i think we should just reiterate what we have believed in right, for 70 years right, right right and it is there the undercurrents are always there it's just these uh, last 5 years uh, have been challenging in those terms the undercurrents are not visible anymore sure sure um one yeah one important thing is that you know you were speaking about these undercurrents and sort of the philosophical kind of um basis of indian democracy and uh, you know one thing that the economist called this election was you know it it was kind of a soul searching for yeah. you know the direction india wanted to go in you know let's talk about yeah. some of the sort of challenges mm. that we've seen philosophically well at least what mm. the criticism is um you know you obviously spoke about the sort of university uh, unity and diversity challenge Well, where mm. you know that's increasingly being challenged. Uh, the other thing was, um, you know, a very sort of uh, narrow definition of nationalism and patriotism, mm. which we've seen in the last few years. And this is yeah. probably a trend which is a little more global because you know we you're yeah. seeing this in 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 big parts of the world, even in Europe. When you look at countries yeah. like um, uh, Hungary, UK, Brexit, France, yeah, yeah, UK. Obviously, uh, you can say that yeah. as well. Their their soup is probably. a lot uh, messier mm. than everyone else's um you know in germany actually it's happening everywhere in the us also yeah. you can see like a rightward uh, more conservative trend yeah. uh, it, it's happening throughout the world you're so, right yeah the, so there there is common ground for that but in the indian case why do you see that happening and you, you know what is the what is this a reaction to what's been going wrong that you know we've we've, we've been seeing this reaction where uh, you know you criticize the government you you basically you know you should go to the other side of the border yeah <laughs> Yeah, the anti-national go to Pakistan. Right. Uh, yeah. It's and <coughs> it's a convenient rhetoric, right? Like so, as I as I basically explained earlier about how this idea is being challenged. So there is a reason why this idea is being challenged, also, right? It's obviously like accumulation of power, right? right. It's assimilation of power. Yeah. And it always works on dynamics of power, right? Right. Like um, the one thing that. um you know this administration has sort of told us loud and clear that they want to project power right like in every front possible right in in like in, in, inside the country domestically they want to project power right outside the country they pro- want to project power right. like last last in the last few days you saw the missile test announcement that is obviously like a sign that you know yeah. uh, there's like a some international chest beating is still left to do yes um because in 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 the heads of a lot of indians right now who kind of agree with our current administration that 
um we should show our prowess to the world yes we are not a shitty country we are not a country of poor people who shit of shit beside uh, you know yeah, railway yeah. tracks i i i i get that i get that sentiment because yeah. uh, it's like i guess they, in their heads that is what we are like yeah. in in their heads in their perspective the western world thinks of us like that yeah. right which is not entirely false yeah, either yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah but i i w- i would say that you know the 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 reputation of india is definitely like you know it it's definitely yeah. changing so i you know yeah. it's not completely true either yeah uh, it is changing and i think that has again to do a lot with what uh, the not the administration just the people outside india have been doing right yeah, yeah. like um, the nris they have they are extremely proud nationalists Yeah. and there's a reason for that yeah. right because they want to stick to that identity of being an indian yeah. which is great yeah. right which which is awesome right yeah. outside of the country when you know when chinese people do the same thing when you know europeans do the same thing uh, why can't we do the same thing right yeah. we can be like the same you know like we have an identity we will also flaunt yeah. it outside <laughs> wherever we go yeah. right which is an understandable sentiment i get it right um so in that whole you know a uh, frenzy of sort of projecting our identity and projecting this you know image of india a better image of india which is an admirable thing uh we are getting a little carried away sure i would say right uh because then when we are projecting the good of india anybody who sort of says yeah that's all good but there is some improvement maybe in say the healthcare sector they will be like oh international how dare you criticize our country right we are here trying to project a good image and you pessimist critical person you are coming in and uh, you know popping our balloon how dare you yeah, yeah. like yeah. that is essentially the sentiment what is yeah. you know going around yeah. right anything you say which is critical of this idea of india in the heads of the people right yes. uh even if it's like a good critical thing Sure. Uh, it it will always have that pushback sure right um, and i think the other thing is also like to do with a deeper psychology of how indians think and i've been thinking about this a lot right um you you grew up in india if i'm not wrong i i did grow, grew up in india in bhopal yeah yes yeah. so oh, you in bhopal okay yeah. so you have this you you know this because we kind of were practically neighbors yeah. uh i was i'm from nagpur oh and um, yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, what 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 happens is when we are growing up uh, we are told not to question authority right yes. and uh, back then authority is our elders right you cannot right. question teachers you cannot question our parents yeah. you cannot question you know the, the the you know the more experienced quote unquote people in yeah. our society because they know more because they lived more right? yeah. and and they have more experiences and this has been drilled into our heads our generations like millennials right that um and and actually the generation before us also that you cannot right. question it right uh, it's like a, this whole my bap sort of yeah um right? yeah. now yeah. the good thing about our generation of people is that there are definite breakaways sure there are people who are just going ahead and going like rebelling against the whole system It's the true. society all sorts of authorities and they find pleasure in it yeah right? of course i i find pleasure in it i am a super anti establishment anti authority person yeah. right like i i i wouldn't say i like instigating people for no reason yeah. but i like challenging beliefs yeah. right i like the fact that i am able to make people think in a different way sure. right and there are a bunch of people like me right um but this traditionalist you know authority following psychology that that you know we have as indians in our generation in the previous generation mm-hmm. especially in the previous generation i think that is coming to four right where where they are they are still telling you not to question authority but there is a group of people now who are saying yeah but we are going to do it anyway yeah 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 and those are the anti nationals so great so we we were speaking a lot about yeah. assimilation of power and yeah. you know we spoke briefly about how that's been sort of concentrated in the prime minister's office I do want to talk yeah. about how individual institutions have been working uh, and you know let's start with uh, the legislature because you know the BJP got a roaring mandate in 2014 by all measures 
you know it was the first time since i believe rajiv gandhi that a single party had got uh you know a sweep in parliament basically how has the lok yeah. sabha especially because that was the elected chamber of the house how how has that been functioning under modi because you would imagine if you you know if it's simple mathematics and he was saying that since we have the anti infection law the bjp would have a sort of clear slate to sort of do whatever they want with the country right so how's that how how's that worked out for them so um as i said uh, you know ideally what would what i i mean it's a ideally situation again yeah, yeah. where i've been reminded constantly that this is not utopia but um, the thing is that i i have worked in parliament for 7 years right right um i was there from 2011 yeah. till 2000 um 17 right? right and i have i have basically seen the slow steady decline of the institution right yeah. which is basically uh, how people lost faith in the parliament and that their ability right. to do anything right and of course if they have lost faith uh, they should have faith on something right so they have faith in the prime minister's office and the cabinet right, right? more the prime minister's office. Right. and I, it's an understandable shift right, right. when the parliament uh, when in the, during the upa um there were a few good laws that were passed right like for the, for instance the rti right yeah um the right to information was this one empowering law which people still use to right. uh, to you know keep the government accountable yeah. um but but the thing is that the only thing the parliament has been able to do after that is slowly take away your rights one after the other or dilute them or try to you know like restrict the citizens freedom right <coughs> and i'm including corruption in this yeah. right because uh, at the end of the day corruption of course is like a you're stealing taxpayer money etc yeah. but at the same time what you're essentially doing by indulging in mass scale corruption is yeah. that you are also uh telling the citizens that we will do whatever we want and you can't do shit about it sure. right it's like essentially that sentiment at play yeah. and that was very evident during the upa the arrogance was super evident as well mm-hmm. like they came and defended everything under the sun in like very yeah. weird yeah. ways and they faced the front of it they faced the people were like we don't want you anymore but as a consequence what happened was that there was a constant mode of disruption for 2 years mm-hmm. right where i was working i would like prepare on bills and speeches and laws and everything but every day the parliament would just get adjourned yeah right? that's and, what i saw and and like you know little by little they chipped away this faith over the period of 2 years right the movement happened nirbhaya happened so all mm-hmm. these uh, people came out on the streets and they were like what the hell is the parliament even doing why do we so, even elect you anyway right um and then you know came narendra modi yeah? yeah like he was at the right place at the right time doing saying the right things to the right people right? and right people in like both ways but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so uh, and, and it's it's so and then after that which is 2014 post 2014 there was this constant again chipping away of faith in parliament in another way Yeah. where the majority was saying uh, the majority in parliament was saying that now that we have majority we can do what we want yeah and um, the opposition is pr- practically non existent and dysfunctional yeah so that was great for us yeah yeah and then they passed laws after laws they tried to implement their vision of whatever they tried to do some things they might not have worked out some have worked out some good work has been done uh infrastructure wise or you know you can say um even the swachh bharat abhiyan all said and done uh, has sort of spread this uh, belief that you know their cleanliness is important yes right and i think that is a great uh, you know sort of pr campaign if nothing else so right? um and uh, you know all all of that with the demonetization screwed up everything right and yeah. i think demonetization was the final nail in the coffin of uh, our parliament right where essentially uh, one man comes on tv it might as well be salman khan and tells you one day that uh, uh, you know your country doesn't matter in life or not country doesn't matter your money is How a, dare you. Yeah. 
I'm I'm like I'm so taking you out of context there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. I just my uh, runaway thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like the man came on TV and said that your money doesn't matter anymore, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was not one person who went out in the market and told the shopkeeper that listen, you agree this money matters, right? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. It was like I agree this money matters. So let's just continue with our lives, I guess. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You know, we're all fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone collectively believed that man on the TV. It yeah. might just be like anybody else, right? Nobody questioned. Wait, how is he doing this exactly? Did he get parliamentary approval? Did yeah. he like we have representatives? Did they have a say in this? Did the RBI have the say in this? Did the courts yeah. have a say? Did anybody have a say in this? Right. Right. But uh, nobody. Right? there were like a bunch of people actually defending his thing right sure, then yeah. the first question everybody should have asked uh, collectively was that wait how are you doing this exactly i mean is this even allowed right yeah. <laughs> and, and how is this uh, legal yeah how is this legal how how are you doing this and i think the fact that nobody asked that was also an indication that nobody trusts the parliament anymore everybody was like yeah he can do this i guess everybody was like yeah why not yeah and you know who else is going to do this yeah. <laughs> right and um i think that is that was the final nail in the coffin right where where you know it was like a test and and i say this very consciously that it was a test being done to see how uh, the country behaves sort of how how your it is affecting the very last mile person mm-hmm. their money their pockets that day was affected was everyone right? has yeah. a monetization memory now Yeah. Right, yeah. which is shitty across the board, <laughs> but uh, uh, but still, everybody is like, yeah, but maybe this will lead to something good. Yeah, yeah. Right, and and uh, nobody said that. You know, um, I kind of elected my MP, and I think I would like to hear what he or she yeah. thinks yeah. before I actually agree with this. Yeah. Uh, nobody said that. There were no public forums. There were yeah. no public consultations. It's such a giant move. Yeah. like a, like a catastrophic possibly catastrophic yeah. move on yeah. a whole country which yeah. is a, a 1.2 billion people yeah. and it should have raised many eyebrows yeah i mean quite I frankly do. this election should have been quite one sided given how sort of treacherous this move was in many people's view especially yeah. Yeah, the I, way it affected the poor but does doesn't that show yeah. the weakness of the opposition that we have in this country Definitely, our opposition is absolutely useless. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it, you also have to give credit to the BJP to for man making that, making sure that they're absolutely useless. So, yeah. so yeah, a part of that, and you know, I, I need we need to move on. There's just two quick final two questions that I have for you. A part of yep. the fact that you know the opposition was rendered so utterly irrelevant over the last few years in some ways, except the. You, you know with the exception that in november they the bjp lost three state elections i would mm-hmm. argue in madhya pradesh you know they were they were due a change given that shivraj chauhan had been there for three terms and he lost very close election uh yeah, yeah. part of that is the sort of media campaign strategy that the bjp have i have two questions yeah. on this first of all media independence has been very questionable the last few years especially when you look at prime yeah. time television by the way yes News Laundry does a great show called Nuisance. You guys should all go watch it. Yeah, it's brilliant. I write it. Yeah, so Anzu Meghnath writes it. You should go watch it if you want to kind of, kind of know the status of yeah. the media. Anyway, so you know, media independence has been very questionable over the last few years. But the thing that yeah. I want to point out here is that Prime Minister Modi has not uh, held a single press conference over the last yeah. few years, and you know, yeah. uh, the important thing here is that the justification is that he likes to talk talk directly to. to the people hmm. what sort of message does this sound off here and you know how would you view this sort of uh, you know long term media strategy and you know how successful it's been basically um uh, that's the thing like you know again like that questioning authority thing plays a lot here right you know yeah. like the media's job is to question the establishment or yeah <laughs> and by establishment i mean whoever is in power yeah right you know, regardless of which party is in power state or center uh the media's job is to question it yeah, yeah. but when uh when the viewers also like or, or the belief is that the viewers do not want you to do that yeah. when the belief is that maybe 
we will get more eyeballs yeah. if uh, we sort of support the establishment instead yeah. um maybe that works maybe you know you never know but also like i would like to say this and with complete consciousness that tv is dying yeah. right if you look at everywhere around the world there was yeah. a cord cutter movement everything i don't have a tv anymore like I, I doubt like do you watch tv regularly i you know i i don't really it's only it's only exactly. for the it's only for the cricket sometimes or you know whatever's on yeah. you know sport exactly so basically really. live events is what tv is good for yeah, exactly. right? and live events by that i include news right? yeah and uh, all the good shows all the good content is now being made and distributed via the internet yeah right? yeah and everybody knows that and now we have uh, one third of our population i think a little more which is connected by the internet is yeah. uh, hooked to social media where they get a lot of their content right yeah. and in this whole process what has happened is that tv <coughs> is sort of uh, losing its relevance yeah as a as an information distribution sort of mechanism yeah. right yeah. the only uh, sort of people who now uh, watch tv a lot are uh, the older people right who yeah. are now in their 50s and 60s sure. or like even like 45 plus even my parents have stopped watching tv now yeah. like and that was the revelation for me because <laughs> they get their content from whatsapp they genuinely yeah that's a problem do <laughs> yeah it's a problem yeah. but i think it's a welcome problem because yeah. if you are if, i mean it's very obvious that tv is shit right yeah, i mean yeah, like tv it's just gone like a, on another level of crazy I mean, right yeah. when you when you're having a news on rahul gandhi ka gotra kya hai that's when you you should yeah. your brains out right yeah exactly and like to your listeners i would like to just to reiterate my point about going crazy just go and watch sudarshan tv for 15 minutes <laughs> yeah it's the most atrocious thing ever i don't know why it's allowed to exist yeah, we on the breakdown are huge fans of sudarshan tv you know that's where i'm getting all yeah, my news but, from yeah <laughs> so um, it's it's you know it's weird but i think it's also a welcome thing and i genuinely hope tv dies soon right yeah. and ravish kumar has been saying this on prime time pretty much every day that you have to stop watching tv yeah and i agree with him Yeah. Everybody should should stop watching TV because it's crap. Yeah. It's yeah. absolute crap. It's like brain cell killing crap <laughs> day in and day out. Right? You might as well I mean WhatsApp at least you are getting some weird sort of information. Yeah. Like in, in like say 10 messages you get, 7 are like about information like oh this is happening around the world, this is happening around the world which might be true. Yeah. But 3 are fake. I mean yeah. we don't have the Uh, ability to distinguish between the two but i genuinely feel that uh, it's still better than tv yeah <laughs> like <laughs> uh meghnath we're running out of time i i have to ask yeah. you finally as a, as a final comment basically uh and this is kind of the second part of a podcast where I, i'm just giving you one question um yep. Yep. what is your message to first time voters in the terms of how they should engage with democracy in this election but how they should right. also engage with our democracy after the election because you know a lot of right. people just think that you know their responsibility ends once uh, you know they go to the ballots and the you know whatever yep. change of power happens and then that sort of discourse stops you know we see that increased engagements on social media but you know yep. that engagement is also kind of limited so you know what's your overarching message for them um so okay so i will i will this will be a little bit of a long answer because it's a very relevant question sure. um uh, <coughs> the way i see it is you know um so all of my work that i've been doing uh, over the past two years as a uh, whatever yes. like public commentator etc yeah. has been aimed towards civic education right like i yeah. i want to <coughs> sorry <coughs> i'm sorry ha huh? i want to sort of equip people with information <laughs> about yeah. our democracy and how it works so sure. right? i want to sort of with my constitution series or how to citizen podcast yeah. or whatever i do like my articles i write i always my attempt is always to give people the right sort of information yeah. right and uh, the reason why i do that is because i i believe genuinely that voters need to be empowered sure to make decisions right uh, and it doesn't end at the ballot box sure but yeah. at the same time <clears throat> uh, you need to also uh, tell them when going to the ballot box certain kinds of things about our democracy which they must know 
yeah. which will help them make that decision right <clears throat> for instance uh, like when i talk about anti defection law right yeah. this i get this question all the time that sure anti defection law is you know making our democracy a theoretical thing so we why don't we why, why is it wrong that i vote for like the prime minister yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Because why is it wrong that I vote for a party leader instead of my yeah, local yeah. MP or a party symbol, right? Yeah. And I have been asking that question myself a lot, right? But that's my thing. Like, if you are in this phase where when you hear anti-defection and you don't think it's a wrong thing for you, sure. that's just plain messed up. Yeah. Like, and I would like to convince you that anti-defection and this thought you have about directly voting for a prime minister is a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. For you. personally for i'm not you. talking about your neighbor i'm not talking about anybody else for you personally i believe that um this this whole theoretical democracy or you know voting for directly for your mp uh, sorry uh, prime minister instead of your mp because the prime minister is not going to come fix the pothole in front of your road yeah okay your uh, corporator is going to do that your corporator and your government that has contractors is going to do that your executive is going to do that right and Uh, to know and hold them accountable i think for young voters and young people to understand they also have to understand how the system works first right yeah. that that is the essential uh, bottom line of everything not just voting not just going to the ballot but also understanding how your democracy works is vitally important yeah so that we can make it better well uh, you know that's a great final message so uh, you know i can't let you go before you know thanking you for not yeah. only breaking down our democracy our institutions but also endorsing sudarshan news i think that's an incredibly important yeah. part of everything you're trying to do thank you so much mekna thanks 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 and that was mekna before i let you go for the week i want you to take one conclusion from this podcast from me Think about politicians and think about what they do. They are nothing really but paid professionals who are choosing to do their job. When you think about the idea of asking questions to politicians, it's quite simple. You are trying to hold them accountable for the money they are spending on public services, and basically you are trying to see if they are doing exactly what you intended for them to do. So my message for you at the end of this podcast. is don't be afraid of asking questions to your politicians rather consider it as your responsibility and duty to hold politicians accountable and when they try to absolve their responsibility quite frankly show them their place at the ballot box i'd like to thank you for joining me on this podcast till next week goodbye